Hello, everyone. This is Kyle Galaz with Poor to Pro Car Sales Training Podcast. Become a sales titan. We are in season six. This is episode two, talking about the 11 steps of the sale. I want to say thank you to all my listeners, all my supporters out there for all the kind words that you guys send me. I always want to make sure I thank you guys, you girls, you salespeople out there for supporting the podcast. I don't want to do an episode without thanking you guys. I love doing the podcast. I love helping people around the world get better at car sales and have that confidence to not only sell more cars, but have that confidence to know that I can go to the next level in my career. I can go and get promoted. And also for people that aren't in the car business, that are thinking about getting in the car business, giving them the confidence to walk in and say, I can do this. Let me at the sales floor and let me show you what I can do. If you want to do a one-on-one training session and tailor make this 11 steps of the sale for you, message me on Facebook, search for Kyle Galaz, or find me on Instagram, portapro underscore car sales training. Let's book a one-on-one. Let's get you trained properly and let's get you to that next level. A lot of customers out there want to meet a salesperson that knows what they're doing. They want to meet a salesperson that is competent in their career, competent at their job, and learning the steps of the sale, and always training is how you get there. That is how you get more sales. It's not a trick sentence. It's not a trick close. It's doing the proper steps, doing the proper things to earn their business. So when you go to close the deal, you've done everything up until that point, to ask for the sale and you deserve that sale at that point. Don't skip the steps of the sale. There's lots of steps out there, but I've summed it up in 11 that I feel are important enough to make an episode about and to follow them religiously. Don't skip them and you will start seeing more sales. So let's get into this episode. Season six, episode two, the 11 steps of the sale. First and foremost is the meet and greet. Meeting your customer and greeting them in a proper fashion, will feel awkward at first until it becomes muscle memory, until it becomes your everyday process. Going out of the way to to actually meet them and greet them and welcome them to your dealership will feel awkward. But know this, it may feel awkward to you, but the customer doesn't know that you have stepped out of your comfort zone to give them a proper meet and greet. All the customer knows is they've met a salesperson that's given them a warm meet and greet, thanked them for coming in, and is trying to find out how they can help them. What are they there for? Are they there to see anybody? Are you here to look at a vehicle? Are you here for service? Thank you guys for coming in, right? So a a warm meet and greet, when you start practicing one, and I'll go over an example, it's going to feel awkward right now, especially if you're practicing in front of the customer. Make sure you get this down before you get in front of a customer. Practice at home. Just like I'm talking right now about the car business, and I'm about to go through the 11 steps of the sale for this podcast episode, I am practicing the 11 steps before I get in front of a customer. This is what you need to do if you're on your way to work or you're heading home from work and you're listening to this episode or it's your day off or you're in the middle of a work shift and you're hearing this, go practice. Go outside and practice a meet and greet. And a good meet and greet would be introducing yourself. Hi, my name is Kyle. Thank you guys for coming in. And you are? And let's get their name. There's a special word that can apply to car sales and very uh, special to the meet and greet. Whatever you give that customer, they're going to feel compelled to give you. Reciprocity is the word. So if I say, hi, my name is Kyle, and you are, most likely they're going to give you the first of their name. Oh, I'm John. Thank you. If I say, hey, I'm Kyle Galaz, and I punctuate that last name, hey, my name is Kyle Galaz, welcome to my dealership, and you are, he will feel compelled without even knowing he's feeling compelled to say his last name. So the more you want to get out of a customer, the more you're going to have to give. It's called reciprocity. So if I say, and you could practice this on somebody just as a test, a customer walked in, hey, my name is Kyle Glaz. I'm originally from Lodi, California, right? If I were to say that to somebody, a friend or somebody, they will feel, and I, and I say, and you are, they're going to feel compelled without even knowing to tell you their first, last name, and where they're from. 
This goes to show you, and here's an example that you already know, if I buy you an energy drink today, a Red Bull or a soda or whatever, lunch today, tomorrow when it's lunchtime or tomorrow when we're both thirsty, you will feel compelled to buy me a drink that day. That's normal human behavior. So now we can use it as an advantage in the meet and greet. My name is Kyle Galaz, and you are? Oh, I'm John Smith. Oh, nice to meet you, John Smith. And who's this? Oh, this is Cynthia. Oh, nice to meet you. So first and foremost, you want to say, Welcome to my dealership. My name is Kyle Galaz and you are and get their names. Thank them for coming and thank you guys for coming and I really appreciate it. You know, every customer interaction is important to me and I appreciate you guys coming in. You can say stuff like that. It's going to feel awkward, but until you do it enough times, you're not going to be smooth. The customer will detect that. What the heck is this guy saying? But practice that before the customer comes in and know in your head that the customer doesn't know it's awkward for you. They can't read your mind and know that it's awkward, but it is awkward because you're getting out of your comfort zone. Instead of saying, hi guys, how can I help you? Or have you guys been helped? Screw it. Let's just give them the meet and greet of a lifetime each and every time because more often times than not, they do need help. They do want a warm welcome. Just like when you go to a restaurant or you go to an office of some sort, you want a warm meet and greet. It feels nice when someone greets you and acknowledges that you're there and is not ignoring you because you are limited on time when you go somewhere. So are these customers. So make sure you give them a good meet and greet. So step one, meet and greet. Write it down. I'll have it in the description of this uh, episode two, the 11 steps. So just in case you don't write it down, click the description and you'll see the 11 steps. Okay, step two, build rapport. Now step two and step three go together. So I'm going to mention step three, but we're going to talk about uh, step two. Step two is build rapport. Step three is needs assessment. These have to be done at the same time because we all know that salesperson and you may be that salesperson and we could admit it. You know, we're not perfect salespeople, but you can admit that you know a person or it's been you that you've built so much rapport that you don't you haven't furthered the car deal at all. You've built a friend, you know where they work, you know da 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 da, you guys are best friends and now the guy's out of time he has to leave and you haven't furthered the car deal. So number 2, building rapport has to be done at the same time as needs assessment. Okay, now let's talk about building rapport. Building rapport is finding common ground that you can talk with your customer about. Building rapport is not an interrogation. Building rapport is an organic conversation that you can find out through basic questions, something that you can find in common. Building rapport is so much easier when you know the person, correct? If your buddy comes into the lot, you already have so much rapport with that buddy of yours that you don't it, it, everything's fluid. Everything flows. You can joke around. You can have fun. You can you can tease. You can you can take a joke. Right. These are things that build a rapport does. But until you find that common ground with a customer, you have to be on that lookout, questioning and and organically finding that common ground. Common ground can be you guys used to work at the same place. You guys know someone in common. You guys go to the same gym. You guys go to the same church. You guys go to uh, different functions that you guys know someone in common. You guys golf at the same place. You guys love the same football team. You guys both dirt bike. You girls both go to the same salon. You girls both love this particular coffee shop. You girls both love this particular whatever. Okay? And then... Once you once you find that common ground with that customer, that one thing that you can build upon, then you can really start chipping away at them and build a friend and and gain the trust. Build a rapport is all about getting that trust. If you can get the trust, you can close the deal. If you can build a rapport, you can get the trust. Okay, so building rapport is very, very important. But it has to be organic. You can't say stuff like, in a cold fashion, where do you work? What's your favorite color? What? Why do you want to trade in your car? This is not an interrogation. We have to organically bring things up like, hey man, it's a beautiful truck. You thinking about trading in? Trading it in? Oh yeah, I was thinking about trading it in. Okay, so I found a way to compliment his truck and then say, are you thinking about trading in? Not, are you trading in your truck? It's too harsh. So we have to investigate what, what things do you like about your uh, trade now? What things do you not like? Oh man, I hate that it's X, X, and Z. 
oh, okay, I understand that. So are you looking to replace that truck with something that can do what you're what you need, the X, X, and Z? Yes, I am. Okay. Any other things that you wish you had in that truck that you're looking for in the next truck? This is part of the needs assessment. But but in that questionnaire, you can find out, okay, so it, it doesn't do very good in the snow or it doesn't do very good in the sand. I take it to Pismo Dunes in California and I'm always getting stuck no matter what tires. Oh my gosh, what a bummer. What are you going to Pismo for? Are you do, do you got a sand rail? Do you do quads? What do you do? Dirt biking? Ah, so I'm building rapport while I'm going into step three, which is the needs assessment. The needs assessment and build rapport have to be uh, together. The reason why is because we're building rapport while finding out what this customer needs. So we're not wasting time just building rapport. We have to always think about the next step while we're in the current step. So in your meet and greet, you need to be looking at his trade, looking at what he's wearing, looking at his shoes, looking at his watch, looking at anything that you can pick apart, stickers on his trade that you can find to build rapport. So the meet and greet, you need to be thinking about build rapport. And in the build rapport, you need to also be doing step three, the needs assessment. The needs assessment is also an organic questionnaire to find out what the customer needs in his next vehicle. Are they downsizing? Are they upsizing? Do, do they have a kid on the way, way? Is this why they need a big old SUV? Why do you need a big SUV? And then they can tell you. Okay, so build a rapport. Hey, what do you what do you do out in Pismo? Oh man, I, I dirt bike out there. Oh, that's so awesome. I used to have a KTM until I wrecked it so many times. All my bones are uh, pretty much broke. And then you can build that rapport. Oh, you used to dirt bike? I used to dirt bike. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Oh, cool. What do, you, do you hit jumps out in the dunes? What do you do? Camping out there? Oh, we do a little bit of everything. Is that why you need a bigger truck? Yeah, we got a bigger trailer. It's a to toy hauler and we need a bigger trailer. So you see what I'm doing there. I'm building rapport while doing a needs assessment. Those are very, very important because you got to build a friend while you're figuring out what they need. This is uh, very important in the sales process because we can't move on to step four until you've built that friend and you found that common ground. Do everything you can to find the common ground because if you find the common ground, you find out what they need, you have a friend, you have trust from them, then doing step four, the product presentation slash the walk around will be that much easier because if they trust you when you're doing the walk around, they will believe you. If you can build trust, build a friend, find out what they need, when you do your walk around, they will believe every word you say. And hopefully you're telling the truth and know your product because product knowledge is confidence building for your walk around. We don't want to sell these customers the wrong vehicle. We don't want to sell these customers a truck that can't pull enough or a, a three-row vehicle that still doesn't have enough room for their car seats, for their kids. We have to make sure that this needs assessment and build a rapport. We did enough in there to... Find out what they need so we can find the right vehicle in the needs assessment and then do a product presentation slash walk around that suits and is customized to their needs and wants. We don't want to do a walk around on every point of the car and 75% of what you talked about doesn't pertain to that customer. All they wanted to know is if it had leather, heated seats, a moonroof, and Apple CarPlay. And here we are talking about 0 to 60s and top speeds. When it's not for that person, they're buying it for their 16-year-old son that just graduated high school or 18-year-old son who graduated high school and he needs a commuter that's safe. And we're talking about zero to 60s. So the needs assessment is also an important step. That's why we can't step uh, skip any of these steps because a customer wants to leave in the right product. Okay, so let's talk about the walk-around. The walk-around is your is your, um, what's the word I'm looking for? It's your time to shine. This is where you can really put to use all the training that you did, all your product training that that your, your brand makes you do, all these certification tests that you have to do that bug the heck out of you and you're trying to find the answers as quick as possible. This is where all that stuff comes in because you can properly represent your vehicle and do a proper presentation based on the needs of the customer, not just everything under the sun that has to do with the vehicle, but truly the needs of that customer. You can do a proper walk around and start setting up the next step, which is the test drive. So things you want to talk about in the walk around are things that are important to all customers. Okay. 
Customers love it when vehicles are comfortable. Customers love it when it has all the, the power features. But things that you that you don't need to really dig into detail is power windows, power locks, cruise control, tilt, telescope. These are things a customer expects your vehicle to have, especially at the price they're at now. Okay, so you, you don't want to harp on all this stuff too much, the basics. You want to present them, but this is not what sells a vehicle anymore. If a car doesn't have cruise... I mean, this is such a simple thing. That cruise control used to be something to talk about. Oh, yeah, it's cruise control. Well, what's cruise control? That's standard on everything nowadays for the most part. Backup cameras. Okay, it has a backup camera. Every car has a backup camera. So when you're doing a product presentation, you want to present that the vehicle has these things, but you don't want to spend a whole lot of time with these things because remember the attention span of most people is 8 to 10 seconds. Okay, I've done research. You can do research. There's a reason why TikTok slash X only lets you put 140 characters because that's all the attention span people have. They've figured it out. So if you spend more than eight to 10 seconds on something as basic as a backup camera or cruise control, things like that, you're going to lose the customer. So you briefly mentioned they have it. And the stuff that you want to spend more time on is the stuff that that is part of that needs assessment that you figured out. Towing. Yes, you have a trailer. Let me tell you about the, the towing capacities. Let me tr- tell you about the max trailer system on this truck where it has mirrors that extend farther out so you don't have to get those extensions. These are all the things that the guy that's pulling the trailer wants to know. The construction guy wants to know the payload capacities. The construction guy wants to know that he's in he's in legal law to be able to haul what he's hauling. He's got to get his you know, his uh, business license or whatever that code is on the side of their truck to do business because it's an F-450 with the flatbed, you have to know this stuff for that particular customer. The guy that's in the construction business that has all these tools on it is not going to care about the the leather having uh, tumbled in a, in a dryer, a tumbler for 14 days so it's extra soft. Right, The Lincoln customer that's particular about leather might need that. So remember, in the product presentation, the walk around, make sure you're doing the product presentation based on that needs assessment. Also, product presentation, walk around, you got to have pizzazz. you got to be able to sell the sizzle. This is why this vehicle is perfect. This is why this vehicle is selling so much because of these features and options. And, and it's not just the way it feels and looks. It's the way it drives. So remember, when you're doing this product presentation, you have to be setting up the test drive. And things I would say in my my walkarounds is, I'll, I'll tell you what I mean, and you'll get to actually see what I mean when you're driving it. When I talk about the exhaust sound of a Maserati or the exhaust sound of a, of a Challenger when I was in sales or a Mustang or Camaro or whatever I was selling, I would talk about stuff they're ex- going to experience on the test drive while I was doing my walkaround. Wait till you hear this thing shift. Wow, it's it's crazy. The exhaust explodes and you feel this blast of power. It's so cool when you get the RPMs up to this particular uh, level and then boom, next gear hits. Wow, it's very impressive. And you'll see what I mean when we're driving it. And then also on the test drive, I want to show you what these different sport modes mean. There's sport, sport plus, comfort, eco. I want to show you what those mean. And actually, I want you to feel the difference between each one when you're on the test drive. And then I'm going to take you on this curvy road so you can actually feel how this vehicle handles. So when I'm talking about suspension, I'm talking about horsepower and torque, and I'm talking about exhaust with the sports car enthusiast, with the performance enthusiast, I'm talking about things they're going to feel on the test drive. The same thing goes for the... the uh, the three-row SUV. When your kid's falling asleep in the back, you want to have a quiet car. In you know, you're trying to get some sleep yourself, and you want to go drive the kid around the block a few times. A loud car is not going to achieve that. That's why our SUV is so amazing. Because when you're on the test drive, you're going to get to see how quiet it is when we roll up the windows. Even the AC and heater are quiet. It's just an amazing vehicle, and you'll get to see that on our test drive. So during that product presentation slash walk around, you're doing a full walk around. You're starting at the driver's uh, door and you're going around, you're popping hoods, you're butterflying the vehicle out. All wings are open, trunks open, and you really want to show off that vehicle and show off all the features that pertain to that customer. Now here is my trick to get the customer in the driver's seat and the door shut. I used it religiously and it had a 90 plus percent effective rate to get them in the seat, door shut, 
car on and ready for a test drive. I would say, now Mr. Customer, I want you to sit down right here because I want you to I want you to see something when I shut the door. So I'd put him in the driver's seat, I would shut the door, and I would point out the center console where you know you're you you can put stuff in there between the driver and passenger seat. I would say, okay, put your arm on that center console there. And now lean back and put your arm on the uh, the driver's door armrest. Do you see how they're level? Some vehicles, the armrest is higher than the center console, or the center console is, uh, console is higher than the, the, the armrest on the door. So what happens is when you go to lean on your right side or your left side, you got to adjust your seat, or you're figuring out, why is my seat uncomfortable? You don't even know that why it's uncomfortable. And this particular vehicle, if you lean back, it's even. Now, here's a little hint. They're all even. Every car is even for the most part. I mean, I've ran into a few funky vehicles that they don't have a center console or it is uneven. But for the most part, 100% of vehicles are even on the center console and the driver's door armrest. The reason why I do that is because the customers never thought about that. But it allows me to have them sit down and shut the door. Now, when they're shut, when the door is shut and I'm leaning in the window, I tell them, okay, now adjust the steering wheel because I want you to see not only does it tilt, but it telescopes. And our power away seat, it could be eight, it could be six, it could be 30. I want you to adjust it to where you would feel comfortable. And I want you to make sure that you have enough leg room and in all the right room in there. Okay, so now I'm kind of painting a picture of this customer comfortable in his vehicle that he possibly is buying. But he is now in the seat and comfortable. And then I would tell him, oh, I think the key's right there. Why don't you go and start the vehicle up? Now he started it. And then I always said this, oh, I forgot to get my uh, dealer's plate. Let me make a quick copy while I'm in there and we'll go take it for a test drive. They will never say no because during my walk around, I talked about all the things he wants to or is gonna feel in the test drive. And a lot of times when I got to that point and they're sitting in there, they would ask me, can we test drive it? Well, yeah. I think the biggest compliment you can get for your work ethic is when they ask you for the test drive. I think that tells a story of how good you did a walk around. So if you can start thinking about when I'm doing my walk around, all I care about is getting them on this test drive. I'm going to do a beautiful walk around. But while I'm doing my walk around, I'm going to talk about things they're going to feel on the test drive. They can only experience what I'm talking about on the test drive. So get creative and think about each vehicle that you sell. If you're a new car franchise, what could I talk about on this vehicle that I could demonstrate only on the test drive? I can talk about it, but I can talk about it in the sense that we're going on this test drive. So do a beautiful walk around, present your vehicle according to that customer's needs assessment, and make sure you don't leave anything on the table. And if you know the competition's product, while you're doing a walk around, you can talk about the competition. Possibly during that needs assessment, you ask questions, are you cross shopping us? Have you looked at any other vehicles? Yeah, we're comparing you to this brand. Well, excellent, that's a great brand. But I'm gonna show you why in our walk around, when I'm showing the vehicle, why ours is possibly the better vehicle for you. And then you can cross sell over the competition, okay? So needs assessment is very important for quite a few things. One of them is also finding out, are they shopping you against competition? Never bash the competition. Compliment the competition because you'll gain more trust with your customer. And you never know, if you bash that competition, they may be a tried and true believer of that brand since they were born because grandpa had it, their dad had it, and now they have that brand. And here you are bashing on it when it's served them well for three generations, okay? So... Be careful when you're talking about other brands. Never bash them. Compliment them. There is a reason why they're a billion-dollar company. They make great products. But there has to be someone leading the way. And right now, our brand is leading the way. Let me show you why. And having that product knowledge will give you the confidence to cross-sell. Now on the demo drive, step five, the demo drive. What kind of things do we talk about on a demo drive? Here's what I would do. If it was a husband and wife, I would sit in the back, I would let them have full control, and I would tell them, I'm going to stay quiet back here until you have a question. If you have a question on a button or what that sound is or what the car's doing or what am I feeling, ask me. But I really want you to feel the vehicle without me talking, okay? So I'm just going to sit back here and pretend like I'm not here until you have that question. That was what I used to do because I want them to experience the vehicle, and at my dealership, it was mandatory that we went on the test drive. 
And I'm glad that it was mandatory because so many times customers couldn't figure out how to work, work the AC or heater. And if I wasn't there, they would come back from the test drive 300 degrees because they couldn't figure out how to get the heater off because it's some weird switch or some weird area of the car. And they come back irritated and hot. And all I can think about is getting something cold to drink now and they got to leave. Okay, so going on the test drive, if you're at a dealership that allows you to not go on a test drive, make sure you say, you know what, I'm going to make it a point to go on every test drive possible. And I'm going to stay quiet until they have questions. If they have, if they bring up a conversation, then I'll talk. Otherwise, I'm going to let them uh, do their thing in the vehicle and, and get to experience it. More often than not, while they're on the test drive and you're in that car, they're going to say things that are buying signals. Buying signals on the test drive is a good thing because it makes it that much easier to get inside and work the numbers and close the deal. Here are some buying signals when you're on a test drive. What do you think my payments will be? How's financing? What are the rates? Do you guys take trade-ins? These are all things that tell you the customer loves the vehicle already and now he's thinking about owning it. Absolutely. When we get back, I'll go over all that stuff with you and I'll make sure it fits in all your, your budget and all your numbers needs. So that way you can drive off with, with full confidence that not only you got a great product, you bought it from a great salesperson. I hope you think that about me, but you feel good about all the numbers. Okay. And that sounds great. And then you come in and you close it down. Yes, there's going to be negotiating. Yes, the payment's too high. Yes, the trade's too low. But at least you're working the working the deal. Do not desk your deal before you get inside and have done these steps. A lot of uh, salespeople get tripped up during the needs assessment when customers ask, what kind of rates do you have? What do you think my trade's worth? What kind of discounts are you guys doing? Don't talk about any of that. You need to bypass it. Oh, I saved that for the inside when it's time to work the deal. You don't know what the rates are? Well, yeah, I know what the rates are. They can be from 0% from our from our manufacturer up to 25%. But I won't know where you land until we actually work the deal. Oh, okay, that, that sounds fair. Any reasonable customer is not going to hold you to it. I don't want to get into a discussion of interest rates before we find the right vehicle because every vehicle has a different interest rate. Every vehicle has a different program, incentives, all these type of things. And some of the incentives change if you have a trade-in or not or if you lease it or not. So before we get into that, let me make sure I do my job and that's make sure this is the right vehicle for you. And then when we go inside, I'll go over all the options for you so you know you're getting the best deal possible and you can drive this thing home today. Okay, I assume the sale there. I put in their mind that they're leaving in a car. Well, slow down, salesman. We got to work the numbers first. I understand that. Totally get it. I wouldn't expect you to buy the car unless you didn't like the numbers. These are all things that can diffuse a customer that's hostile about rates and payments and trades. You say, I, I wouldn't expect you to buy it unless you like the numbers. Okay, fair enough. But I can't work the numbers until I make sure this is the perfect car for you. Well, I've test driven these before. I understand that, but every vehicle is different. If they were the same car, they'd have the same VIN number. They would have the same odometer. It's a different car. It drives different. Even if the tires are different, the road nose can be different. So I just got to make sure it's the right vehicle. So this is part of not skipping the steps of the sale is you also have to be able to go to battle with these customers when they want to skip the steps of the sale. Know this. If you get a customer that walks in and says, hey, I want to find out what my trade's worth before we work numbers, know that the number on the trade will never be what he wants. Know that he is not emotionally attached to a, a vehicle on your lot and you haven't built rapport and you haven't done a needs assessment and all the guy wants to know is what his trade's worth. I'm sorry, Mr. Customer, that is not how our dealership does business. We need to find a vehicle. We need to test drive the vehicle. I need to make sure that it has all the right features and needs that you want. A customer that truly came in to buy a car is going to be okay with that. I have to do my job as a salesperson and take you through the steps so I can make sure this is the right vehicle. If you just want a trade appraisal, that's not how we do business. Well, then you guys don't want my business. Then you don't want to make a commission, Mr. Customer. And this is what I would think. You weren't buying a car if that was your attitude anyway. If you are unwilling to look at my vehicles, you just want a trade appraisal. In my head, I'm thinking... You weren't buying a car anyway. And all I was going to do was make you mad with getting you an appraisal from my manager in 15 minutes or less. So I've never had the option to meet and greet, build rapport, needs assessment, product presentation, test drive, and you want to work the numbers. That's not how we do business, and I'm sorry for that. 
If you have a reasonable customer and you say, this is just part of my job before I can work numbers, our policy is we have to find a vehicle. We have to make sure it's the right vehicle. We have to make sure you test drove it. If you can set those little seeds of this is our policy, this is how we do the procedure, and you have a truly reasonable customer that's looking to buy a car, they're going to say, fair enough. I promise you, this won't take a long time. I will get your trade appraisal number. I will get you the best interest rate. I will do everything I can to earn your business, but I have to make sure I find the right vehicle and test drive it and show you it and make sure it's all the things you need. A reasonable customer would be okay with that. A person that just wants a trade appraisal and is going to blow out and you never see him again would not be okay with that. Then you don't want to make a car deal. I wasn't going to make a car deal with a guy like you. Remember, this is our house. This is our dealership. We spend 60 plus hours a week at this facility. This is my house, Mr. Customer. You do not get to come in and tell me how I'm going to do my job. Just like I don't go to a restaurant and go back there to the cook and tell him how he's going to cook my burger. They would throw me out of the restaurant. So understand that this is my house. They hired me. I had to go through the drug uh, screening. I had to do the product presentation training. I had to do the all, all the stuff. You don't get to tell me how to do my job. And my manager will have my back. If I say, Mr. Manager, I tried taking him through the steps of the sale. He was unwilling to even look at cars. How am I supposed to sell a customer that's unwilling to look at cars? He can be mad if he wants, but would you rather me trying to do my job on the car lot every single day, every single customer, than take shortcuts? Your boss is going to be like, yeah, you're right. He wasn't buying a car. Get rid of him. Right? We have to make sure that we still stand our ground. We are still human beings, and we can't let a customer push us around. Okay. So we've done the demo drive. Step five. Now let's go into step six, closing the deal. My original 11 steps of the sale on step six was negotiate deal. And I thought, no, I'm changing it. We're going to close the deal. We ain't negotiating nothing. If the customer wants to grind, then I'm going to I'm gonna try to hold my full pop, my full price. And I do it regularly with customers that come in and try to negotiate. And so do you. Don't act like you don't do this already. You guys are good closers out there and you're getting better. But when we come in after the test drive and we work those numbers, it's closed deal time. We show them the numbers. We talk about getting the credit app, and we move forward. But where cust- where salespeople struggle a little bit is on the demo drive. That weird space after the demo drive is how do I get them inside to work numbers? And there's different uh, techniques that different salespeople use, but here's what I would do. I wouldn't say, let's go inside and work numbers because I learned if I ask that silly question or say that silly statement, I get a silly answer, which is, no, we're just looking, we're out of time, we gotta go, we gotta go pick up our kid, we gotta do this. So I taught myself, I'm gonna stop saying, let's go work numbers because it's getting a semi-negative answer. I'm gonna say, let's go inside, let me get you the rest of the information so you can make an educated decision if you wanna buy the car or not. All I'm going to get you is information and fulfill my job for you as a salesperson. And then they would follow me in. It's so much easier to follow a salesperson in that says, I want to get you more information than a salesperson that says, let's go work numbers. Let's go work numbers to a customer's ears is painful. Let's go work numbers is an hour ordeal. Let's go work numbers means they're going to buy it. More information is... Uh, lowering their guard to follow you right in. Let's go get you more information so you can make an educated decision whether you want to buy this or not. Try it out. Try this out. Get smooth with it before you try it on a customer. Remember, practice before the game starts. So start using these things after the test drive. I'm just trying to get you the rest of the information so you can make an educated decision. Oh, okay. I'm just trying to do my job because my boss is going to ask me, If you were to leave, did you do everything in your power to get this customer all the right information? And I want to be able to tell my boss, yes, boss, I did. I'm doing my very best. And I got them everything that they needed to make a decision on yes or no. Fair enough. If you built that rapport, you did the needs assessment, you've done everything right to that point, they will have no problem getting the rest of the information. Well, the rest of the information, guess what it is? It's numbers. It's interest rate. It's it's all the things to close the deal. It's getting a credit app. That's a micro-close. Getting the credit app is a micro-close because if you can get them to do credit, they're starting to take ownership. And the way you get them to do credit is say stuff like, 
I don't want to guess on the rate. Don't worry, this is not going to mess up your credit. It's not going to wreck anyone's credit. Let's just get some basic information so I can quote you the exact payment down to the penny. And then you can decide down to the penny if you want to move forward or not. Okay, that sounds fair. It, it works like a charm. You get their credit application. The, your finance guy or sales manager gets them approved. And then you come out with the payment. My goodness, they've gone through all these steps of the sales, of the sale. They love their salesperson, which is you. They've already filled out a credit app. Now you can start using that as a close. You don't want to do this all over again with somebody else or come back and do this. We're 90% done with this card deal. All right, fair enough. Wrap it up. That's fine. That'll work. So you stack the odds in your favor by doing these micro closes and not skipping the steps of the sale to that point. Number six, close the deal. Don't go in there and negotiate. Be confident in your pencil. Listen to your sales desk. When they say, hey, this is the best deal, this is the most I can give on the trade, believe it because that number makes you the most money. Don't believe what the customer says when they say there's a better deal out of town, there's a lower price, they gave me more for my trade. Don't believe that. That's them negotiating trying to get their best deal. You need to negotiate against the customer, not against your sales manager. The salespeople that have the highest grosses work the customer. They don't work the desk. I understand there's better deals out there, Mr. Customer, but what happens when you drive all that way out of town and you find out, oh boy, there was a reason why it's a lower price. Now I understand why this deal was so appealing. I don't want you to go through that. If it's truly a comparable vehicle and it's similar miles, then they cost what they cost. This is what they cost to buy a truck of this caliber. Now, if you're getting a, a quote that's $10,000 less somewhere else, you got to understand there's something going on there. It could be a, a vehicle that has a, a salvage title. They're unwilling to show you a Carfax. They want you to buy the Carfax. There could be massive rust. So what you got to do when you're closing that deal is build um, some doubt that the other deal outside of town is worse, Okay. There's a lot of things, and we're not going to get too deep into closing the deal because there's so many things to go over. But remember, number six is not to negotiate. Number six is to close the deal. Okay, the deal is closed. Number seven, you're doing the paperwork and you're waiting for finance. Paperwork is a step of the sale because, and the reason why I have it on here is because this is your part of the, of the deal that you can show that you are clean handwriting that you got all the right things, insurance cards up to date, registration on the trades up to date. I got the uh, the miles accurate off the, off the odometer. I verified the VIN. My handwriting's clear. I got everything, Mr. Sales Manager. I got everything, Mr. Owner. Whoever's working your deal, when they see perfect paperwork and a complete file ready to go to finance, this is the kind of stuff that can get you promoted. This is the kind of stuff that owners and GMs and sales managers like to see because not only do we have a great salesperson in front of us, we also have a competent salesperson that knows how to do paperwork, that understands that everything has to be perfect for the DMV, for the finance, for the bank. So when you have paperwork, I included it on the steps because you got to make sure it's perfect. Come to that desk with a perfect file. Come to that desk with nothing missing. And you're going to see your career start to take a different path. And not only that, it's discipline. Having clean handwriting. Telling the customer, I do need the phone number on the reference. I do need the address. I do need to know these things. And then it holds your your uh, your customer uh, accountable to, to do the right stuff. So we don't miss a pay stuff. So we don't miss proof of income or, or proof of residence. Let's get everything perfect and then bring the file up to your finance or sales manager. Okay, that's step seven, pretty simple. Complete paperwork, keep it nice and clean, have all the right things. Let's go to step eight, the Google review. This used to not be relevant. When I first started selling cars in 2003, Google review, I don't, I don't think it was even out. Google review was not something relevant in the market. Now it is. Okay, so when you're waiting for finance, take this time to have your customer log into Google, log into their phone, Open up Google, type in your dealership name, and leave a five-star review right there at your desk while you're waiting. First, it takes up a little time. Finance is backed up. It's going to take a little bit. Get that Google review. Have them do a five-star review. Now, where, where it's important on this step eight Google review is make sure when they leave the review, they mention your first and last name. 
The reason why is because when customers go to your reviews and they start reading the reviews and they notice a, a common theme, wow, this Mike Wilson salesperson has tons of reviews. Wow, I want to see that guy. You will pick up an extra deal or two a month because customers have seen so many reviews based on your name. And we've if this has happened at my dealership, customers have come in and asked for that particular salesperson because of Google reviews. Because we ask, how did you hear about us? Even I go out there when I'm talking with customers. Hey, how did you hear about us? Oh, I was on Google and I saw this, this salesman's name. Really? Well, that's awesome. Google reviews help not only your dealership, but it helps you. It gets the your your dealership more uh, relevant in the marketplace. When you go to a restaurant review and it says one star and it has nine reviews, you're probably not going to go to that restaurant. But if you go to a restaurant that has 1,200 reviews and its average is 4.6, you're probably going to take your chances with that. So not only does it help you possibly getting that that customer come in and ask for you, but it helps the health of the dealership. Remember, if you're going to have a long career at your dealership, you want it to be healthy. And getting those Google reviews are good because the healthier the dealership, if the whole team really works on these Google reviews together, the health of the dealership goes up, which means more ups, more internet leads, and more opportunities to sell cars. You have to be unselfish when it comes to helping your dealership get more reviews. It goes against the grain because we are lone wolves in the car business. I don't care about the dealership. I only care about me. But if you can shift your attitude to caring about the dealership, you're going to start seeing more traffic, more ups, more people in service, more internet leads, more phone calls because the health of the dealership is good. Okay, so step eight, get that Google review. Step nine, this mainly pertains to new cars, but we still don't want to skip on pre-owned. Do a proper vehicle delivery. Step nine, vehicle delivery. We have to make sure our customers know what in the world they bought and all the little things that they use uh, on a daily basis. We want to make sure our customers drive off with confidence that they know how to put the vehicle in reverse, that they know how to pair their Bluetooth phone. Maybe we should do that for them. Make sure we can download their contacts. Make Program some of their favorite stations. We need to make sure our customers are driving off knowing how to use the vehicle we bought. We're not here just to make a sale. We're here to get repeat customers and have good relationships with these customers because a good relationship with the customer will get you more business, will get you more uh, 10 score surveys, will get you more bonus money, will get you more factory money. We got to make sure we get these these vehicle deliveries down. We don't want to just throw them the key and put the happy sticker in the back of the, the car and let them drive off. Make sure you spend some time. Now, what I used to do in sales when I had a delivery is I would go over the stuff that I knew they needed to know right now. And I would tell the customer, let me show you all. I can't show you the whole car because it would take hours. But I'm inviting you back already to come back and let's go over the more detailed stuff. But the stuff I want to show you right now is the stuff that you're going to use tonight, the stuff you're going to use tomorrow, all the, the stuff that I feel like you need to know. Customers will be okay with that. And spend some time in that car going over the vehicle delivery. They want to know how to use their car. Do they want to get out of there? Absolutely. They've been in there for three hours trying to buy a car. They're tired. They're hungry. But we still have to make sure we send them off with the basics at least. And then we need to call them and do uh, follow-up to make sure we get them back in. And if they tell you, no, I think I figured it all out. Okay, not a problem, but I have an open invitation. You show up at my dealership. I'm going to go over the vehicle with you. Just know that... I'm going to check on you every once in a while to make sure you understand all the buttons because guess what, Mr. Customer? I'm still learning all the buttons. These vehicles are so technical nowadays. I just want to make sure that I didn't just get a sale. Customers like hearing that, that I have someone that I can call upon and make sure that they're using their vehicle right and that they're happy with their purchase. Customers love to hear that. So get that vehicle delivery. Now for new car, you're going to get a survey, correct? And that survey weighs heavily on you, your dealership, bonus money, all kinds of stuff. Some people's pay plans are tied to their their um, vehicle survey that they get, the customer fills out and sends back. So when you're doing this vehicle delivery, make sure you're talking about this survey they're going to get. The survey may say, how did your dealership treat you? Did your dealership use an iPad or a tablet? Did your deal What they mean, Mr. Customer, is did I, did Kyle, did I do these things? And the, the factory wants to pin it on the dealership. But the moment that we get a bad survey, the dealership pins it on me. 
This says my name. So when you get their survey in the mail, please, can I count on you to fill it out perfect tens and leave a good comment? Can I count on you? You need to say that. Can I count on you? And then you tell them, and if there's something, and you've heard this, if there's something I missed, still fill out a 10 and come get in my face and say, Kyle, you missed this. Shame on you. And try to make it fun and lighthearted. But please, no matter what, Mr. Customer, can I count on you to give me a perfect survey and give me a good comment and, and put your hand out there. If, the, if you can get that commitment, you're going to get a perfect survey. And please don't ignore the survey. The more surveys we get, the better the health of the dealership is. And the better the health of the dealership is, the more resources I have for customers next time. So please fill it out. Can I count on you to fill this out? It means so much. And no matter what it says about the dealership, it's saying my name. Just know that. And if there's something I missed, shame on me. You come get in my face and tell me. And I'll make sure it's right so you can feel good about giving me that, that perfect 10. So that's step nine, vehicle delivery. Asking for that perfect survey. Number 10, if you're not on social media, this is your chance to get on it. Number 10 is friend them on social media, specifically Facebook. The reason why is because on Facebook, they're going to start posting stuff about a birthday party, about an event. I went to the football game. Or people like posting stuff that's relevant to their life. I just got a new dog. You know, etc. My my son graduated. And these are your moments to hit like and leave a nice comment. And remember, if you have on your profile on your Facebook or your Instagram or whatever social media you use, when they click on your name and it shows that you work at a dealership and it has you as your main picture of you in front of your dealership, they can remember, oh yeah, that's my sales guy. So remember, when you're done with that vehicle delivery and they drive off, you find them on every social media and you friend them. If they deny you, so be it. But do everything you can to join them in their circle of friends and themselves because they're going to start posting stuff. And when they post stuff, that's your chance to like it and leave a nice comment. People love getting likes. People love getting comments. So when you can be in their face every time you post every time they post something you're going to be in their mindset when it's come when it comes time to buy a new car when it comes time to refer a friend they're going to think of the salesperson that they see every single day on Facebook or on Instagram so remember friend them on social media specifically Facebook that's step 10 now step 11 forever follow up follow up can never end because your sold customers, just like my book, sold is gold. These people already like you. They already trust you. You already have built rapport with them. You have things in common. They know the process at your dealership. They will give you first chance if you're first on their mind. And the only way you're first on their mind is by doing forever follow-up. Follow-up through Facebook. Follow-up through text messages. Follow-up through emails. Follow-up through phone calls. You've got to stay in front of these people forever. This is not an optional thing if you want your career to flourish. If you want to go to 20 plus cars a month, a lot of the salespeople that have massive months, month in and month out, are the people that get referrals, the people that get repeat. These are salespeople that don't have to rely on internet leads and fresh ups anymore. They can rely on their sold customers. Remember, sold is gold. Think of that. My sold customers are a gold mine. Okay, so the forever follow-up is extremely important. If I sell 15 cars this month, next month I need to send out at least 45 text messages to those people. So let's say I sold 15 cars in November. I need to send three texts next month to that customer that I sold, that one customer. And I got to do that 15 times. It will take you no time to send 45 texts. You want to do it maybe 15 texts in the first week, 15 texts in the, the middle of the month, and 15 texts at the end. Just following up, making sure you still love your vehicle you bought from me. Um, and, and let them tell you, hey, everything's good. You, you don't got to text me. Let them do that. Otherwise, keep following up with them. And then you can strain it out at, accordingly throughout the year. Yes, yes you're going to have to devote some time for your follow-up. But remember, these customers will send you more customers. These customers have kids that eventually buy cars. Think about this. If you sell a newlywed couple right now and they're 20 years old and you plan on having a career in the car business for 20 years, you're going to sell their kids at 20. So customers that are your sold clients, we have to stay 
on top of our follow-up and we got to keep track of them so make sure you have a system to keep track of these sold customers okay now I got to plug my book because I have a book called sold as gold and if we rely on the cut on this on the dealership CRM system and they decide we're gonna switch up CRM systems because we got a better contract with the with another CRM system where did all your sold customers go go they got lost with the old program or what happens if you leave your dealership? Where did all your sold customers go? That's why I made Sold as Gold book. It has 200 customer profiles per book. So you can keep track of a year or two years of customers, all their detailed information, all their fun information in each little customer profile. So no matter what dealership you work at, no matter what uh, CRM system your dealership has, you have a way to follow up. Check it out, I'll put a link in the description. But forever follow-up is the final step of the, of the 11 steps of the sale. So let's recap. Number one, the meet and greet. Number two, slash number three, build rapport slash needs assessment. Number four, the walk around. Number five, the demo drive. Number six, close that deal. Number seven, perfect paperwork. Number eight, get that Google review with your name and last name. Number nine, the beautiful vehicle delivery. Number 10, friend them on social media, preferably Facebook. And number 11, forever follow-up. If you want to book a one-on-one training session, message me. I've done a bunch this last month and, and salespeople are rebooking me now, which tells me I've done enough to earn their business again because they're seeing results not only in themselves confident-wise, but they're seeing their uh, uh, results in sales. So make sure you message me. We'll get all the details to you. We hook up over Zoom. It's super easy. I send you a link and boom, we do a one-on-one training session. You can have it private or you can have it public. If it's a good one, a fun one, I might put it on on, uh, Spotify and it's going to go global, 68 plus countries. And, uh, you know, then you can be part of the the record books along with Porter Pro. I'm trying to build something special and it takes people like you that are special out there to, to support me. And I appreciate all the support. This episode's almost an hour long. I wanted to make sure we go over these steps of the sale in a proper way. I hope you guys got some value out of it. I can't wait to see you on the next episode. Kyle Galaz, signing out.